Um, yeah, it's lovely to be with you. Feeling kind of summery. We've uh, we've already had our summer holiday, kind of. Uh, so we've had a couple of weeks in the camp of Van Dyne in Cornwall, and it was very nice. So I'm feeling very rested and relaxed. So if you've not had your holiday yet, um, uh, well, very sorry, but it, it was very nice. Um, uh, it's it's great to be here. We're going to start a new uh, series at Community Church on the minor prophets. Now, I'm not quite sure what you think about the minor prophets. Um, actually, some of them are a bit kind of. Um, smitey and kind of uh, they, they kind of uh, ah, what is it about the minor prophets that can speak to us today uh, in the 21st century when they were written so long ago and in a context and a culture which is very different from ours so um, that's the series um, and this morning we're going to look at Hosea now I'm not sure whether this is going to work is this going to work oh, oh, I said, oh did, it kind of, did it kind of work uh no. But, well, anyway, I might just nod, Dave, and or you'll probably kind of work out where it is. Um, uh, this morning we're going to look at the book of Hosea. Now, I'm not quite sure how you go about trying to understand some big spiritual principles. When there's kind of a, a big spiritual concept. Now, we live in a world that's very physical. Now, to try and understand something that's spiritual, spiritual we can't see things with our eyes. And sometimes it's quite hard to grasp the truth of something about God or what God's like just by talking about things. And so quite often, uh, very physical things help us to understand deep spiritual truths. And in some ways, the book of Hosea gives us a, a very kind of vivid physical picture to try and understand an immense spiritual truth. Um, and so... Uh, and, and, and hopefully, as we look very briefly this morning at that, something of the spiritual truth about God's love and his faithfulness towards us will touch our hearts. So as we look at minor prophets, um, the minor prophets, again, to understand them, I think it's probably good to understand them in the context of uh, understanding the superpowers that were around at the time. Now, we've got superpowers of, of China, of the United States, of, of Russia. Um, in uh, the time of the minor prophets, the, the superpowers were uh, Persia, Babylon, and Assyria. Now, Assyria is the kind of the superpower when we look at the book of Hosea. Uh, here's a few little images of things that you might see in um, uh, a museum. Uh, Assyrian kind of uh, uh, sculptures, architecture. Actually, the reality is that the Assyrian Empire uh, was quite a brutal empire. Um, there's a little map here of, of how it expanded uh, over kind of a few hundred years. In the, in the darker um, green there, that's where it was. And then over 200 years, uh, or 150 years, it took over the whole of that green area there. And it was a marauding, vicious army. Actually, scorched earth policy. When you maybe you've seen some of the images uh, of... Um, Russia and what they've done in, in Ukraine. Again, literally just uh, obliterate everything. Or in Myanmar, where, again, they would go into villages and they would burn everything and they would rape and they would kill. Actually, the Assyrians were like that. They were a super mean, super hostile, super vicious um, uh, nation. And so there in the background, as Hosea is, starts to prophesy, they're a kind of a, the superpower that's in the background. And they kind of... Well, the northern tribes had this kind of, shall we go and ask Assyria for help? Should we get on the, the side of the baddies, or should we stick with, uh, with God? And, and it's interesting that, um, that Judah, with King Hezekiah, stuck on the side of God. And can you see that, just that little yellowy bit in the middle there? 
of all the territory the Assyrians conquered. Actually, they didn't conquer that little yellow bit there. Because why? Well, the Bible story was there because they trusted in God wholeheartedly. King Hezekiah. And this, this superpower kind of invaded all, all the way down to Egypt. But actually didn't take Jerusalem, didn't take Judea, because they trusted in the Lord God. But here's the story. So Hosea's prophesying with, with this kind of imminent uh, danger, threat of this Assyrian Empire. And they were kind of, they were God's people, but they kind of weren't following God wholeheartedly, which is why they were looking for political alliances. Maybe they thought if they go on the side of the superpower rather than trusting in God, things would work out better for themselves. And within this context, uh, Hosea uh, is asked to prophesy. And in the context of this cruelty and this fear, there's a message about a God who is tender and loving. And there's two images that come across. Uh, I'm not going to have time to do the whole justice to the book of Hosea, but there's two images within the, uh, the book of Hosea that I think give us physical images of a deep spiritual truth. The first of those images is an image of a husband and a wife. A husband and a wife. And how there should be devoted, committed uh, love for one another. Now, it's interesting that... Um, Quite often through the Bible, the, the husband and wife kind of image is God and his people, Jesus and the church. And here, Hosea, I don't know if you ever fancy being a prophet, but Hosea is asked to prophesy by doing something um, quite unusual. So this is Hosea, chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, when the Lord first began to speak to Israel through Hosea, so here's God speaking, prophesying. He said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshipping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of uh, Dimlai, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Hmm. Ah. I mean, that's a deal, isn't it? I mean, here's, God bless him, here's Hosea, a God-fearing, genuine God-fearing Jewish man who's trying to serve God with his life. And God says to him, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. Now, I mean, if God said that to you, I'm not sure what you would, what you would do. But actually, he must have known the word of God because it sounds super crazy, doesn't it? And he says, I want you to do this because this is going to show the people. It's going to be like a physical parable of an eternal spiritual truth. Now, we're not quite sure whether um, she was uh, actually a prostitute at the time that uh, Hosea went to marry her or whether she was just kind of a, a slightly promiscuous woman uh, who later on in the marriage wandered off to become a prostitute. Um, but obviously, there was something about this relationship. I want you, Hosea, to marry this woman because it's going to illustrate something. It's going to illustrate something about my relationship with my people. Now, in that marriage, um, she obviously wanders off. Actually, she wanders off and she finds other lovers. Uh, she deserts her husband and finds other gods to worship. And God says that they, they worshipped the kind of Baals and, and, and the calf gods and, and, and idols. And rather than worshipping the true living God, although they sometimes paid lip service to God, behind his back, they were giving their attention and their love to other kind of gods, fertility gods, sex gods, kind of materialism, those kind of things. 
As Hosea goes through the pain of seeing the wife that he's married wander off with other men, I suppose in a very dramatic way, he experiences the pain in God's heart. Actually, the pain in God's heart when he, he truly does love people. He's covenanted, he's committed himself to people, and, and he, he wants to love them wholeheartedly. And yet somehow they turn their back on God, and they, they follow kind of wooden idols and trinkets rather than the true living God. As his wife wanders away, has multiple lovers, God speaks to him again in chapter 3. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with other uh, lovers. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. What a dramatic picture. But it shows something of God's unfailing love even when we as God's people maybe we give lip service to God but we know in our own hearts the things that we say and the things that we do and our thought life and somehow are we truly dependent and faithful and committed and loving to God or do we wander away and as you read through the book of Hosea there's bits like um, here in chapter 2 verse 14 when it says this but then I will win her back once again. This is God talking about going to his people. I will lead her into the desert. I will speak tenderly to her there. Even in her rebellion, even in her adultery, even in foreign God, God wants to speak tenderly rather than... I will return her vineyards to her, transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there, and she, will, uh, she did long ago when she was young, when, uh, when freed her from her captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord, you'll call me my husband instead of my master. And again, there's prophecy about the day, the day when Jesus will come. When Jesus will come, there's words of tenderness that will call back broken people, will call back wayward people. Actually, will call back people like you and I. And God wants to speak tenderly to you. When you do things that are wrong, God's not mighty and smitey. He's not going to kind of, kind of blow you up. Actually, he wants to speak tenderly to you. Even this week, maybe when you've gone astray, when you've done things that are wrong, when you, your, your pride or your um, envy or your unforgiveness has somehow it's got a little root in, in your heart. Actually, even this week, God wants to speak to you tenderly. So I suppose the first little message from Hosea is, I'll be faithful to God because God is faithful to us. He forgives us. He restores us. As you read through the book of Hosea, there's two great poems of, about future hope, about future hope of how even though they've wandered away, even though they've turned their back on God, the day will come when God will forgive, God will restore. And I wonder whether we understand, actually, do we understand the nature of God? Do we understand his character? Actually, do we understand his unfailing love? Actually, his unfailing commitment to us. Even though we are faithless, he is faithful to us. And that's a great truth to remember. Just the second thing, the second little image is an image of a father and a son. Um, and a father and a son, again, uh, Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, says, say, our father, not our creator, our judge, uh, the omnipotent one, uh, kind of start with our father. The father-son relationship is really important. And so in this very physical parable that's been acting out, not only is Hosea marrying a woman who is a prostitute herself with other lovers, actually, uh, he has a, there are three children that Goma has. Actually, the first one seems to be Hosea's child. 
Um, uh, so the, the, the first child uh, is born to um, Hosea, and then in chapter 1, verse 4, it says, The Lord said, Name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish uh, King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I'll bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the valley of Jezreel. So here's a kind of a prophetic word. It seems to be this was Hosea's child, and he calls it Jezreel because actually God's going to do something. He's going to vindicate uh, uh, what happened. Um, uh, but then, the, then it says in verse 6, So Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. Now, because in chapter 1, verse 2, it says that she's going to have children born in prostitution. Actually, I wonder whether these other two children are actually a result of her with her lovers rather than with Hosea. Uh, the commentators aren't exactly sure, but actually it's quite likely that the, the daughter, when she became pregnant and had a daughter, actually it wasn't Hosea's child. And so the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Lo-Rahamah. Um, what does that mean? It means not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. If you, have, if you had a daughter, how call it? You're not loved. <laughs> You're not loved. Kind of, and, and, I mean, that, my name's Timothy, which Timothy kind of means... Timotheus, God-fearing. But actually, you'd, no one would, would think of my name, Timothy, means that because it's just a name. Whereas actually in the Hebrew, actually your name, it was your language. Kind of, so when you called kind of supper time, come in, not loved. <laughs> it's time for school, not loved. <laughs> you think, ah, what's... That actually, there's something that's going on that has, has so distorted humanity, actually, sin and wrongdoing distorts humanity. And actually, the consequence is that actually you can feel not, not loved. I mean, the, the, the third child is, um, uh, but I will, I will show love to the people of Judah. That's the southern tribes. I will free them from their enemies as the Syrians invaded, not with weapons and armies or horses or charioteers, but by the, my power as the Lord their God. And that's what happened with Hezekiah. After going with Weed uh, Lo-Rahamur, uh, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, not my people. You're not mine. <laughs> You're not my people. Um, uh, for Israel is not my people, and I'm not their God. Okay, here's another child. Again, was it a child of prostitution, as it says in, in, the, in the start of Hosea? Actually, was this uh, Hosea's child? We're not quite sure, but again, the consequence, actually, when we go f- kind of away from God, actually, maybe we can feel that we're not God's people. Actually, when we, we lose our way. We lose our identity. And that's what wrongdoing and sin and, and selfishness and, and greed uh, and, and pride, that's what it does. It makes us feel that we're unloved. Actually, it makes us lose our identity. But God, through the, the um, prophet Hosea, says this. He says, but I am like a father. Even though the consequence of sins, you might feel like that. Actually, behind it, it says this. Um, uh, when Israel was a child, I loved him. I called my son out of Egypt. Again, that verse is quoted about Jesus, isn't it? But the more I called him, the farther he moved from me offering sacrifices to images of Baal and, and burning incest to, incense to idols. I, I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him by the hand like, like a little toddler, teaching him everything. But he didn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. How often does humanity not realize that God is a God of love and compassion? And although there's going to be judgment that that will come upon these people because they'll carry on rebelling against God, there will be a time when God will bring salvation. 
And again, it's this sense of conflict as Hosea prophesies in verse 8. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? You've been so bad. You've been so naughty. You're so unfaithful. You're so relentlessly seeking evil. How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like uh, Adam and demolish you like Zebboim? My heart is torn inside me. My compassion overflows. Again, a little revelation of the heart of God. He's not unmoved by us, by his people. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel. For I am God and not a mere man. I am the Holy One living amongst you. And I will not come to destroy. There's a promise that... Uh, God loves us as a child. When we go our own way, we lose our sense of being loved. We lose our sense of identity. But when God's at work, when God moves in, in the person of Jesus, actually things can turn around. Hosea chapter 2, it says, In that day you will call your brothers Ami, rather than Loami, my people. And you will call your sisters uh, Rahama, uh, the ones I love. And verse uh, uh, 23 of uh, chapter 2, I will show love to those I called, not loved. And to those I called, not my people, I will say, now you are my people. And they will reply, you are our God. Here's a sense of identity. When we turn to God, we find that he's a father loving us as his children. It's interesting, this little verse here is picked up by, uh, by, by Peter and by, and by Paul in their writing. So Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 9, uh, says this, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. That's your true identity. Sin wrongdoing corrupts that. We lose our way. When we come to Jesus, we find it. Uh, we were called out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you had received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. And lastly, Paul says this in Romans chapter 9, concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, this is hundreds of years later, Paul's quoting this in the light of Jesus, those who are not my people, I will now call my people. And I will love those who I did not love before. And then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. And the message of Hosea finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Actually, it finds its fulfillment in the church. Actually, it finds its fulfillment in us today. For us today, God is faithful to us like a husband to an unfaithful wife. Actually, he's forgiving, restoring. He welcomes us back. He speaks tenderly to us when we've uh, disappointed him. Actually, when we lose our sense of identity because of the, the, the way that we pursue life, actually, when we come to find Jesus, we find in God, he is our heavenly father. Known by him, loved by him, a true identity. So you are loved by God. Now, uh, you are now his children through trusting in Jesus. And I suppose, just very briefly, those are the two messages, I think, from uh, Hosea for us this morning. Maybe for us to think about this week. How, even when we're unfaithful, how is God eternally faithful to us? Eternally loving, forgiving, compassionate, understanding, speaking tenderly to you. And whatever your things you're facing this week, whatever things you've done that's wrong, whatever troubles you're facing, actually God wants to speak tenderly with you. And 
Though we can somehow lose our way, we dehumanize ourselves by the things that we follow. When we find Jesus, we find once again our true identity. You are children of God, known by him, loved by him. Let's pray. Uh, God, this morning, we come to you and we say, like Israel, at times our mouths might be towards you, but sometimes our hearts and our actions uh, display something else. We may not go as far as to say it's like kind of committing adultery, but we, we break our commitments and our vows to you, the our choices we've made that we wanted to follow you, Jesus, wholeheartedly all our lives. And, and we find that the bitterness and selfishness and greed and pride, somehow they, they creep in. And today, God, we want to say sorry. Today, we want to repent and turn to you. Today, we want to, again, we want to find what it is to, to connect with you, uh, to not call you just master, something that, someone who's remote, but to call you husband, to call you friend. Well, for those of us here this morning, and maybe we, we don't yet know you wholeheartedly for ourselves, just that wonderful thought that we could be a child of God. Somehow in the mixed up world in which we live with all its ups and downs and the chaos, there's a destiny that belongs to us, which is once we weren't God's weren't, weren't a people, but we're now we are God's people, your children. Help us to know what it is to be loved by you, to be cared for by you. Help us have hearts that will very quickly confess and turn to you and find your forgiveness, your hope and restoration. In Jesus' name, amen.